I think it's character building and I think it goes beyond than just starting a brewery. I think it's just starting a small business. You know, not every small business is this sort of 12 month wait for revenue to come in. But, um, you know, when we first started on this, we, we me more than Chelsea would get emotional about it. I get frustrated. I get you know pissed off and I would say, why is this happening? And now, you know, we're sort of maybe a little bit more mature. And now we're sort of like, you know, head down, eye on the prize, keep moving. That's Mike of Bradley Brew Project. Welcome to Over Beers, a craft beer conversation podcast. I'm Freddie Clark. This week, we're talking to one of the newest breweries in New Jersey. In fact, they're so new, they have not even opened yet. Not quite. Bradley Brew Project is the creation of a husband and wife team, Mike and Chelsea. As you will hear, their love of craft beer brought them together and has fueled their passion to create their own take on a craft brewery. Before we begin, let's talk about the heart of any brewery, the brew house. Basically, it's where the brewing gets done. Usually it refers to the hot side of the operation, and most times the actual set of vessels that make up that hot side. When breweries say how many barrel brew house they have, they're talking about the size of those vessels in the hot side, and not of course of the room itself. Breweries are set up logically. There's the hot side and the cold side. The hot side is where the cooking takes place, and that's the brew house. It contains the tanks or the tons for turning the hopped malt into wort, which will then be cooled and fermented later on on the cold side to turn it into beer. No matter the size, the process is basically the same. Hot water or hot liquor is mixed with malt to create the mash. The mash has one goal, to turn the starches in the malt into sugars to be consumed later by the yeast in fermentation. The mash is moved to the louder ton, which is a large filtration vessel where the solids are filtered out and the liquid then is moved to the kettle. Boiling happens in the kettle and hops and or spices can be added. After that, the wort is moved to the fermenters, which is the cold side of the house. That's where the yeast is added and fermentation takes place, creating beer and of course the alcohol. Back in January, I visited Mike and Chelsea to talk about Bradley Brew Project, which they're going to be opening real soon. Mike was kind enough to pour a few of his beers, and we had a conversation over beers. So this is um, this is our India India Pale Lager, so IPL. Okay. Uh, it's about seven percent. Uh, it drinks very much like an IPA, but it's got a little bit of that lagerish bite at the end. Mm-hmm. Super dry. It finishes at like ten five. Um, brewed with your traditional American hops, so Cascade, Centennial, Chinook, a couple other ones like that. Okay. Um, the vast majority of our beers, if not all of our beers, are typically inspired by something. We mm-hmm. don't have a list of things that we want to brew. It's usually it pops into our minds, or we see something, or we want to do something. And um, you know, this one was sort of like the um, the the response to this whole IPA craze, mm-hmm. and I wanted to do something that was an IPA, but wasn't an IPA, right? Okay, and it wasn't hazy, it wasn't unfiltered, and so this kind of came about, and it's. No, it's it's made with maize, so it's got a whole bunch of flake corn in it, which really dries it out and gives a little bit of that sweetness to it. But then it just sits on a whole bunch of hops, and so that's what you're drinking. I'm guessing you're doing it at a real small scale now. Sure, five gallons uh, at a time. Five gallons at a time, mm-hmm. doing a lager. Mm-hmm. You know, because I mean, everything is ales, because yep. it's quicker, it's easier. But now, how challenging is that to do a lager on a five-barrel system? Um, yeah, so it's... Um, it's actually not as difficult as 
I think generally people think it to be. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just all about temperature control and using the right amount of yeast and uh, you know yeast counts and pitches and things like that. You know, I brewed my first lager probably about two years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like most home brewers, I kind of stepped up. I started off on a. Um, so I take us back. I started brewing when my brother-in-law gave me a one-gallon kit when I used to live in Jersey City, which is where we met. Okay. And I used to brew on a stove, and I would shove it in a corner of a of my room, and then it would ferment, and fingers crossed it would create beer. Uh, like Mr. Most, brew plastic guy. Yeah. <laughs> um, so most most people, you know, I, I kind of followed the same arc as most people. The first one was terrible. The second one was not as terrible, and then it kind of just went from there. Mm-hmm. But I also took... Um, when I got back into it a little bit more seriously about three years ago with some friends of mine, we kind of, every couple of months, we would step up what we would do with our system. So we started off with a, you know, a, a we do five gallon batches. It's a cooler mash ton. Um, and then we would just ferment it down in the basement. And the next thing that we did is we actually created a fermentation chamber, which is just a kegerator with a temperature control on it. And then the temperature control either kicks on the fridge to cool it or kicks on the temperature pad that heats it up. Okay. So that would allow us to do various different temperature um, fluctuations on the actual fermentation, which is really critical to lagers. And so when we had that established, then we started messing around with lagers. And for me, it, you know, to brew a lager is really about temperature control and patience. Right. right. You gotta let it. You got. You gotta let it hit the right temps. You gotta bring it up to hit that de rest, and then you gotta let it lager down. So. Yeah, I, I don't think it was too difficult. I think okay. it's still hard to make a good lager just because of the recipe type. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, I, I like this one. This was this one came out alright. Okay, cool. <laughs> um, and you're right. It did. It came out very alright. More than alright. So you said you guys met in Jersey City. What was the? Did you meet over beer? Did how did you meet? Yeah, we did. We I ran a craft beer bar. I, well, at the time when we first met, I was actually bartending at a. We had. 60 craft beers on tap. Um, This was six years ago, so it was right when everybody was really starting to get into craft beer. People that, the average person was getting into craft beer. It wasn't just, you know, the people who drink beer all the time, it was everybody. So it was at a time where at my bar, we would always have meet the brewer events and you would learn so much about beer just from working there, coming in as a customer. Mike happened to live right across the street from the bar and would come in all the time. He was one of my regulars. And we would just chat beer. He would come and it was so refreshing because when you're a bartender, you would get people coming in, hitting on you. And it was just, it was always so refreshing to talk to Mike because we just talked about what the beer tasted like. I got to give him samples and we would have like our own tasting parties with each other. Fast forward a year or two, I became a manager of the bar, so I ran it. Um, and I got to manage and create the Meet the Brewer nights, and I got I just got really into beer and all the different breweries and all the different tastes and the different brewers and the different people that worked with beer. And Mike would come in more and more, <laughs> especially on Meet the Brewer nights. And uh, yeah, that's where we met and kind of established our relationship on beer to begin <laughs> with, and started dating and. Our love for each other and our love for beer just kept growing and growing and here we are now opening a brewery. It was when we first met in Jersey City, we used to walk around the streets and stop in front of like empty commercial buildings and just look inside and say, imagine what we can create in there. Mm-hmm. And, and not was, even a brewery, that was just this like... This was just like a dream, like you, you know, everyone dreams. And uh, 
it turned into something and now it's actually turning into a brewery that we kind of founded our relationship on. So it's, yeah, sappy love story. <laughs> <laughs> well, it, it, is inter- it is interesting that you wound up dating the bartender anyway. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Even if that wasn't your original goal. Yeah, and it wasn't my <laughs> goal to date one of my customers, but it happened. Yep. You're wandering around Jersey City looking at spaces. What made you really then think, hey, we should open a brewery? I think, well, we started coming up with these concepts when Mike really started getting into brewing beer. He was making really good beer. Everyone that tried it really loved it. And it was okay. We, <laughs> <laughs> and he was actually brewing with somebody, and we, it would turn into a party, it would turn into an event every time they brewed the beer. We got married, our friends got married, we would brew beer for the weddings, and then eventually we came up with this idea. It wasn't a brewery, but what if we made beer for events and had like people could come in, cus- brew the beer with us, customize the beer. So it started as one idea. Mm-hmm. We're not anywhere near that idea anymore. It changed. And when we first had that idea, people told us, you're going to have this idea and it's not going to be what you think it's going to be. Okay. It's going to morph. so true. So it started like that, and so it was going to be like a brew your own brew, yeah, type of thing, kind yeah. of not a brewer's apprentice type thing, more of you know you come in and brew with us, and okay. uh, you tell us what kind of flavors you like or what not flavors that's the wrong word, but what inspires you, and we kind of make a beer off of that. We had some ideas of like doing even like a flip chart book, right? So if you were to sit down with us and we would say, okay, here are four base grains that you could use. And based on how you pick that grain, that would sort of dictate the direction you're heading into. And then when you got to the hops, right, if you went noble hops, you're more looking at some like a Blondale or Pilsner or something much more lighter. If you go your, you know, hop, your alpha forward, like galaxy hops, mosaic hops, you're looking at IPAs or something like that. So these are things that we're just sort of tossing around as an idea for the business. So um, like a choose-your-own-adventure exactly. beer. Right. Yeah, exactly. Okay. For you people know. who don't brew but still yeah. want that customized aspect at their events or wedding, and that's how it originally started off. I think the important... Don't copyright that idea before we release the podcast. It's copyrighted already. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but uh, there's a, you know, we weren't the first ones to come up with that. There were some other folks that tried it um, out west in California. But I think the, the key part of that of that story is that um, the ingenuity and the and the let's do something different is sort of what drove us and sort of what drives Bradley Brew Project now because we are, you know, we we constantly challenge ourselves in the decisions that we make to say, all right, how are people doing it? How can we be different than mm-hmm. that? Not to say that what everybody else is doing is bad, wrong, or shouldn't be done that way. We just want to. We just want our vision for our uh, brewery to be a little bit different than what else is out there to mm-hmm. give people have a that option. Experience. Yeah. Okay, so. What is that different experience? So there's 80 some odd breweries now in New Jersey. What is that different experience that Bradley is going to bring? Yeah, I think it's twofold. So I'll let Chels talk about the the community family aspect. I'll talk about the beer for a second. So our vision behind our, there's a couple facets to this. Our vision behind our beers, uh, our sort of tagline is inspired and approachable. We don't define those two words in any single way, right? And so when we say inspired, like I mentioned before, 
the vast majority, if not all of our beers have come out as a result of either something that's happened to us, a person in our life or something. And so that there's a story that sits with this beer, right? It's, it's a reaction to something. Mm-hmm. The approachable part of it is it doesn't mean that all the beers are three or four or five percent. The idea is that, you know, I, I, we have a nine percent imperial stout that everybody that drinks it says to us, this is nine percent. And so the idea is that We've kind of figured out a way through some of our recipes where we could create, we could make really big beers be enjoyable, um, you know, at whatever quantity you want it to be. And so, from a beer perspective, that's our idea. We want people to be able to sit down, look at this glass, and say, "I'm not just having a, a an, an IPA, or I'm not just having a porter, or I'm not just having a stout. I'm having a stout that's had some thought behind it, that has a story behind it, that I could relate to somebody else. So, or you know, well, yeah, my kid did that too, and I know why these guys brewed that beer." So that's sort of the beer vision behind it, but there, there's a bigger, even bigger vision behind it, which Charles could talk to. Yeah, beer is the most important part, don't get us wrong. <laughs> <laughs> but um, the whole idea behind this brewery is we wanted it to be very community focused. So we're in a small beach town. The people in that community are so excited to have us, and that was so important for us, because a lot of times you go to, you get rejected by the community or, only half the people understand who you are, what you are, or what a brewery even is or does. So the fact that this community is so welcoming and so ready to learn and engage us is phenomenal. So we kind of are basing our business model off of that. We want to be just as engaging and just as approachable as all these people have been for us. So when you walk into our brewery, you're not ever going to be ignored. There's always going to be someone to help you. Even if you have to wait, you're always going to have eye contact by an employee saying, I'll be right with you. If you get a beer, yeah, sometimes we'll be busy. We'll hand you the beer and go on to the next person, but we'll hand you that beer and talk to you about that beer and even come around the bar and, you know, make it more like you're sitting down at a coffee shop, and but you get to be with an expert mm-hmm. that really knows the beer. All of our employees... We don't have all of them yet, but we have hired a few. We'll be, we'll know about every single beer that it that they're pouring. I can't tell you how many times we've walked into a brewery, and yeah, they have great beer, but the experience from the employee was not good mm-hmm. because they either just didn't care and they wanted to go home, or you really were excited about the tour you're about to take, and it was just like that's that, that's that fermentation tank, and that's that, and it was very like. Well, I was expecting a little more, but okay, I guess I'm not going to push it. It's never going to, you're never going to feel like that Mm -hmm. when it comes to Rally Brew Project because that's everything we don't want. We want you to come in. We want you to have that experience you wanted to have. And even if you weren't sure what you wanted to have, you're going to have an awesome experience. Um, And just like I mentioned before, the family, come in with your family, you'll be comfortable. Come in with your girlfriend out on a date and you'll be comfortable. Come in be, knowing every single thing about beer and you'll either learn more or maybe, hey, you'll teach us something. Mm-hmm. You never know. You can learn so much from people. So we're hoping that no matter who you are, what you are, where you're from, when you walk into our doors, you're comfortable and you get that same approach every single time you walk into our doors. Mm-hmm. It's not going to be different from time to time. No, that's great because part of the reason why I started to do the podcast was when you're in a community, the beer community, and you're into it, 
you forget that there's a lot of people who aren't as into it. Yeah. And even and craft beer is still most people still don't get exactly what craft beer is. So having something that is approachable where you can explain where somebody can walk in and get the understanding that they're going to be talked to and they'll be explained to them if they need it. That's great because that's not something you get all the time. Yep. You know, you, it's something where, you know, yes, here, all right, so here's a here's an IPL. All right, what's, yeah. what is that? You know, I, if I don't know what that is, I, I, I don't even know what I'm drinking, yeah, right? What, why does that exist? Right, right. <laughs> why does that exist? What does it mean? I mean, I grew up in a period of time where craft beer was not a big thing. And a lot of my friends do not drink craft beer. You know, they'll drink Heineken Light. And not that there's anything wrong with Heineken Light, but that's beer. And if I bring over an IPA or a Saison or a wheat beer, they don't, it doesn't compute because it's not a beer, like they define it. So there's a lot of people who still are not as, I don't want to say educated because that sounds a little arrogant, but there's experience. Experienced, yeah. There's not that experience to it. Yeah, I think that's and especially whole idea. in New Jersey. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Totally. Because we're very young to it as right. a, as a as a state, really. I mean, there were, you know, some in the 90s, but really 2012 was the big change and that's when, you know, a lot of the 80-something breweries started to open. Mm-hmm. A lot of people ask us about opinion of both craft beer and then and usually always that conversation goes into well what does craft beer really mean in New Jersey and you know I always feel like my my go-to sort of metaphor for it is that we are you know 10 to 15 years behind the west coast when it comes to the whole spectrum Mm -hmm. both from you know if I start at the bottom of you know brewer experience brewery experience we have some phenomenal breweries in the state we have some great up-and-coming breweries and we have some very young breweries including ours that are just learning what it means to be a brewery all the way through the distribution channels of what does it actually mean to sell beer to a bar or to a retail place, all the way to the consumer. I mean, what's one of the funniest things that kind of made me laugh when we started putting us ourselves out there in the, in the summer was we had people walk up to us and say, please tell me you're brewing something more than just an IPA. That was the mm-hmm. most common thing that we heard mm-hmm. because... Because it seems like folks are just kind of jumping on the on this whole IPA wagon, which they have been for years, and that, and it's a great style. But it's I a think great the start. but it's it's, <laughs> and, and it's a gateway start, mm-hmm. right? And I think that's where a lot of people are right now. But there are some people that are starting starting to get exposed to everything else that's within the spectrum of beer, and um, and it's so neat to be able to see that. And, and um, picking back of what Chell said around, you could be anybody who walk into our brewery and find something you like. Like that's also our approach to brewing beers. Like we we have our you know haze craze New England style <laughs> okay. IPAs, right? Like our our um, house pale ale is sort of based on that recipe. Tons of oats, tons of wheat, tons of lactose, a bunch of adjuncts that are pectin high so that you get all that haze. A ton of you know whirlpool and dry hops. But we also have an IPL. We also have our Imperial Stout. We also have a three and a half percent grisette that's brewed with local fruit, right? The whole the whole spectrum of beer allows us to cater to all those different folks that come into our brewery. And because we're so small, I mean, we're, we'll, we'll probably get into this more, but we're a two barrel system with various different fermentations on the, on the cold side, right? So some four barrel tanks, a bunch of two barrel tanks, a seven barrel fooder. So there's some different funky things we could do in the back. 
But because we're so focused on our tasting room because of our size, we feel like we could cater to those different styles and the folks that come into a brewery, right? We don't have a market that we have to satisfy with our latest and greatest IPA. Mm-hmm. We feel like our, our spectrum of beers that we could brew will really reach those various folks that walk in through those doors. Mm-hmm. No, that's great. Because, you know, I think IPAs now are 65% of yeah. the craft beer market, which is great. I love IPAs. But it's like eating steak just every day. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, steak is great, but after three or four days in a row, you're going to be looking or for two something or three else. Glasses, <laughs> right? Well, you know, so so it's it's great that you're approaching it that way. That there's more to life than just IPA. Yeah, and I think that's part of our business model too: is teaching people, not teaching people about beer and brewing beer and the whole craft brewery scene right now, but teaching people about this specific beer. What makes this beer? this beer and I think that has always been important to us and we're really gonna nail that home and till the very end that you're gonna learn about the beer that you're drinking Mm -hmm. if we're busy or not if we want you to learn actually learn about beer right that's so important to us and and it's it cracks me up because the the tour right the you have to do the brewery tour and that's great to see the process but that doesn't tell you anything about the beers. That just tells you, here's the brewing process. It's these four-ish steps, and you go to everyone, any brewery, and yes, the size may vary, but it's the same process, whether you're making generic American Pilsner or a a Belgian Triple. And everything in between basically follows that process, but it doesn't talk about what you're drinking in that glass specifically. Yeah, and I think, I mean, that's so true, and that's kind of why we're doing it. It's funny, Mike and I were just talking about that the tour you have to take in New Jersey, how we're still trying to figure the logistics out of this, but when we were in California, before you went on any type of tour, they would give you a taster of beer. So you went on that tour and you had a beer in your hand and you could ask about that beer during the tour of the whole brewing process. You go to any brewery in New Jersey and you wait till after the tour, then you get your beer and then you're on your own. Mm -hmm. So I think for us too, when you go in for our tour, you will have a beer in your hand, a sample size beer that will give you, so while you're learning and you're tasting and you can kind of connect the two and then take it from there. And then after the tour, you get to, you know, talk about that beer and it makes you feel, I, for me, and I don't know if you feel the same way, but it really makes you feel connected to that yeah. beer when mm-hmm. you're drinking it as you're learning how it was made. Like, mm-hmm. Yeah, so. we, we got the, um, I went I went to, um, Denver is probably my one of my second favorite places in the country for obvious reasons. <laughs> my bachelor party was in Denver. I've been there a bunch of times for work. And I've been to, I mean, at least probably 12 to 15 breweries in that region, but I went to New Belgium. Like most you know, people that aren't craft beer, you gotta go to New Belgium. And that was the first thing that I noticed is that as soon as I walked in through the doors of the tour, they gave me a sample glass of beer. Mm-hmm. And they said, here you go, enjoy, here mm-hmm. we go, here's the tour. Yep. And to Chelsea's point, like that really connected me to what I was experiencing, which I think we lose that a little bit here because I think because it's like out there, it's not mandated. Here, mm-hmm. it's mandated. And I think it's become a check the box kind of exercise for a lot of breweries. Um, and I don't blame them because it's it's sort of the, the reality that we live in. Um, we're trying to come up with creative ways. And by the way, uh, based on our sort of research and, and some of the folks that we talk to, we think it's, from what we understand, it's perfectly legal to give somebody a four ounce sampler as they're going through the tour. 
we still have to confirm that with, with our friends at the ABC. And when we do our site visit, we will do that. Um, legal disclaimer. Um, but, but those are, you know, when we, when we start to get into, you know, we're kind of talking in hypotheticals here, but when we start to get into the tangible things that Chelsea talked about around our vision, those little minor tweaks is what we think makes us a little bit different, right? That one sample tour, you know, our bar, our tasting room layout, how our, you know, we don't want to just hire bartenders. We want to hire people that are, you know, not just super friendly, but are passionate about beer that will not just stand there and pour your beer, but will actually talk to you and engage you about what you're experiencing and mm-hmm. what you're a part of. And, um, you know, it all sounds kind of high pie in the sky kind of stuff, but we feel that when we ingrain it at this point of where we are, we're not even open, right? We're probably two months away from opening. If we ingrain these visions into every decision that we make along this process, we think that it'll more than likely become a reality when we're actually open. So we're right. not thinking about it two months after opening. We're ingraining it into what our brewery is becoming. Right. Not trying to retrofit it after the fact. Right. Build it right in. Yeah. So which brings us to a good point about you guys are not open yeah. yet. We are sitting in your dining room yeah. recording this. This is the first time I've done a, a brewery podcast, a beer podcast in, in somebody's dining room. Um, Bradley Brew Project started about what? A year? Two years two ago. Two years ago? Mm-hmm. Okay. As, as a concept. Almost to the day, like April, I think of two years ago. Okay. Mm-hmm. One, why, why the location? You want to hit that one? Yeah. So two years ago, we started looking at locations and we actually started in Wall, where we live. We wanted to be, we wanted to be community focused from the beginning and we thought, hey, we live in Wall, we know Wall, let's look in Wall. Um, A couple of the towns around us were kind of out, so Belmar, Spring Lake, couldn't do a brewery there, couldn't do another brewery in Belmar, Spring Lake wouldn't do a brewery. So we started looking at buildings and we we found a couple that we really liked and it was we went to township meetings and they were wanted us to be there but it was just got either the landlord denied us for some reason or the township was giving us the runaround even though they were really excited to have us they you know a big town like Wall it's, there's so many facets and so many people and so many type of things you have to go through in order to get even that first approval from the town. From the very beginning, I always had my eyes set on Bradley Beach. I'm from around here. I grew up in Farmingdale. So I know the area very well. Um, And Mike didn't really know Bradley Beach that well. He knew it was next to Asbury Park. Um, You have to be nice. I was skeptical. I really wasn't. I wasn't wasn't sold on it. Mm -hmm. um, It's not a very... It's starting to get more well-known, but it's not a very... People, when they come down to the beach in the summer, they don't go to Bradley Beach. That's more of like the people who live in Bradley Beach go there, or if you have family there, you go there. Mm -hmm. So once everything fell through from Wall, with Wall, we were just kind of looking around, and we found a spot on Bradley Beach, and I said, let's just go check it out. Mike went, and he's like, I'm sold. Well, you, you missed the part where I crawled home and I said, I'm so sorry. I was wrong. <laughs> you right. were right. That's, look, you're, you're married. That's implied. Right. Right. We, we knew that happened. Yeah. But in the first couple of spots we found, we fell in love with and it didn't work out with the landlord because they didn't understand the concept of a brewery. Mm-hmm. Um, and let me say, before we went to started looking in any town, we were emailing 
the different boards and the township the to see if they would <laughs> even like consider a brewery. There's yeah. so many things you have to think about when you're going to a town to open something like this. And it's funny the different levels of enthusiasm or none at all right. that towns will have. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, I've heard of towns that, you know, no, we don't want it. And I had a guy call me, the town will remain nameless, but he said, we've got space on Main Street. Do you know anybody who's opening, looking to open a brewery? Because yeah. we will roll out the red carpet for them. Yep. Yeah. You know, so it's different. It's amazing the different, the different levels of, yeah, welcoming. Yeah. You know. So we, uh, like I said, we lost a couple places mainly because of the landlords because they didn't understand the concept of the brewery. Um, they either thought it was going to be a bar. They thought there was going to be a lot of chemicals involved and it was going to be hazardous. Uh, they thought... God, I hope not. Yeah. <laughs> this, so do we. The smell that really... We kept telling them, we said, it's going to smell when, only when we're brewing. And that smell is very similar to a bakery smell mm-hmm. or boiling grains. And they didn't quite understand those types of concepts. So in the end, it was just too much for them. And uh, we finally... There was this one restaurant on Main Street that was kind of out of our price range, but it was on Main Street. And we had met with a couple of business moguls just for advice. And the one thing they always told us is spend the extra money to be in the main spot. And for being new business owners, we're like, really? Like, it's okay to spend a thousand or two more than we were planning a month? And they're like, yep, do it. So I think once we heard that, we started looking at the spots on Main Street and we found this one restaurant that these two guys bought. They bought a strip of, it was a restaurant and a couple other buildings and they were planning on redoing it and they just wanted something unique in there. And we met with one of them and he was like, I love everything about what you want to do. And we- Uber supportive from like the Super support. Mm-hmm. They're our number one Super fans. laid back, like just, it was so refreshing to meet with him after everything we had been yeah. through. Cause this is probably now nine months into when we first started looking uh, and we just sat down and figured out how we can make it work. And we went to the township, got approval and it was a unanimous yes decision, which was like the coolest thing ever. Cause we had a lot of questions asked. It was about an hour long meeting and usually they're not that long. You're being really nice. It was two hours. <laughs> and we it, had, they went past the time that they were supposed to go past. And I don't mean to inject, but I will for a second. We, um, we really assembled a team of a team to handle that zoning board meeting. Mm-hmm. We had a fantastic local lawyer who knew the board, who knew the people that were going to be there, who knew what they were looking for. Um, we hired a great planner who's done a bunch of different breweries who could be a, you know, she was a witness. That's how these proceedings go, mm-hmm. where she was a, you know, a on the record witness who testified why breweries aren't a hindrance to the town like Chelsea was talking about. You know, our, our landlords who own our building came and, and said, we could have put in a restaurant here. We could have put in another bar. We chose to go with these guys because we believe in their vision. We believe that it's something different for the town. And so we had this phenomenal team of people that came with us that were behind us um, to help the town understand what it is that we were doing. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you, 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 Chelsea talks about the unanimous decision. I, I think that was a ton of work that went into that across 
both our team and the two of us just kind of thinking through what that meeting was going to be like to get that conversation going. Yeah, it's and it's amazing because, you know, you, you have that, that picture in your head of people, you know, hey, let's start a brewery. All right, let's do it. Yeah. And it's done, right? But it's it's so much, like any business, it's so much that goes into it that, you you know, you don't see beyond... Yeah. The golden liquid in the glass. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if we look at time frames, right, it's the middle of January right now. We got approved by the board in May of 2017. Mm-hmm. We talked, our first conversation with our landlord was in February, which is almost a year ago. A year ago. And we are still about two months away from opening. Right. Okay. You know, one of my favorite stories to tell is that when we, when we first started off on this process about two years ago, we met with, um, with Pete and Darlene over at Jug Handle. Um, this was, I think, in April or maybe May of 2016. Mm-hmm. And we said that we had this idea of what we wanted to do. Right? This, was, this was everything on paper at this point. And, and Pete goes to me, love the idea. You're going to be open in two years. And he goes, I, when I was starting, I went to Augie at Carton. And I, and, and I told Augie the same thing you're telling me. And he says, great, great idea. You'll be open in two years. And I looked at, I don't know if I ever told Pete this, but I looked at him and I said, and I, and I said, oh, that, thank you. That's I understand. And in my head, I'm like, he's not right. It's definitely going to be like 12 months. Right. I, every, like, I have thought of everything. Right. What does he know? And he will likely be within a month of that estimate. Right. Uh, from the time where we said this is a thing to the world to the time where we'll serve our first beer. It's roughly 24 months. Well, after the day after opening, you should go like buy him a pizza. So oh, I hope he comes because I'd love to buy him. A, I'd love to give him a beer or two. All right. So you get the approval. You're going forward. I'm, I'm assuming now you're not so much brewers as you are contractors, general contractors, project managers, project managers, yeah. moving, moving this forward. I mean, what what had to happen? to get you physically starting to build a brewery. Yeah, so. A lot. <laughs> yeah, a lot. Maybe I'll start and Chelsea could jump yeah. in. So I, I think the first thing that we, we need to talk about is probably financing and how do you actually start a business up like this, right? I mean, it's a it's a capital in, uh, intensive investment. Uh, when we first started on this road about, this was probably now 18 months ago when we started getting serious about what it means to build a brewery and, and the cost behind it. We thought about who do we go for for investment money and do we take on stakeholders and things like that and give up equity. And so um, we had a lot, a number of people approach us, both you know, family, close friends, et cetera, and we talked to them and we originally were going to take on investors. And then we had a couple conversations between the two of us and we said, you know what, um, we feel like we should do this on our own. And the main reason behind that was we wanted we didn't want some conscious decisions or subconscious bias making decisions for us. So mm-hmm. even if you have, you know, silent partners and angel investors that we still felt like with those, we would make decisions that potentially would be in their best interest and not in our best interest necessarily. Mm-hmm. And so we funded the brewery through our own personal investment as well as an SBA loan. So we actually went to a bank, uh, went through the whole four month process to, you know, everything, three years of tax returns, pro forma financial statements. I mean, everything that had nothing to do with beer. I mean, mm-hmm. I was, I had an interview with, with underwriters for an hour and that once did we talk about beer, mm-hmm. you know, um, they asked me if I have recipes, but that's probably the extent of the conversation. <laughs> um, so I think once we kind of figured out that we were going to finance this, how we're going to move our own personal money around and how we're going to apply for this loan, 
when we got through that process, that became real to us because now we had um, literal stake in the game. Right? Mm-hmm. We had invested a good amount of money of our own and we had this very large you know, loan sitting above us funding this business. And so we, we, you know, once that was sitting in the finances was sort of taken, we're working, we started working with our owners uh, of, the, of the building because they were doing a whole revamp of the building. And we started talking about what do we want it to look like and, you know, what, what were they thinking before it was going to be a brewery and how do we add on top of that and that kind of stuff. And so for the past two months, right, construction has been going for about two months. You know, we, we, we're in there, you know, maybe once a week uh, when we have a spare minute to jump in there. And kind of go through the process and talk to them. Okay, we want the light fixtures here. We want the bar here. We, we're, we're thinking about these kegerators down here. This okay. is where the tanks are going to go, that kind of stuff. And so to your previous point, I mean, it's become a project management job. It's making sure that, you know, we, we're we a, a smaller project of a much larger project to revamp the whole entire building. And so, okay. you know, we're being very conscious of the decisions that we want to make and how they impact some of the other parts of the building. What did I miss? Anything? No, I think just for, it's funny because every brewery that opens is a little different how this part happens. They're either starting from the ground and they're building it on their own or you get in a scenario like us where we have landlords that wanted to redo the building and luckily they're letting us have a big say in what goes into this. That's nice. So yeah, it is really nice because... Yeah, we're project managing, but we also have a team with us that's kind of helping us along the way that have not opened a brewery before, but have opened other businesses. So it's nice to have that support, but we want to be open. So there's a lot of the decisions that we have to push for people to get done because not everybody wants this as much as we do. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the part Mike and I struggle with the most is, just, you know, okay, we made this decision on this piece, let's get it done. And it's, they'll, they'll go and do something else in another building right next door. Right. And like, well, we need to be open. Right. <laughs> we need right. to get the CO, so let's please, get going. Please, please. Yes. And it's funny, because Mike's career is managing people. That's what he does. And I'm more of the laid back and person I really find myself getting like, becoming more of a project manager and making decisions within seconds just because you want it to get done. And it's like, it's stressful and time consuming. And, uh, but at the end of the day, Mike and I look at each other and we're like, this is the coolest thing we've ever done because we're doing something that we've dreamed of since we first met. Mm -hmm. So it's um, a crazy ride for sure. But so construction should be done. We're thinking it's construction where with the employees that are in there right now should be done within a month, maybe a little more, and then mm-hmm. we'll come in and do all the finishing touches. So the painting, we'll finish the bar up, um, and just little things that you add into a brewery that they won't do. Mm-hmm. Um, equipment, Mike will kind of do at the same time. We're doing all the equipment ourselves. Um, and we're actually revamping this walk-in fridge that's been sitting behind the building for who knows how long, just not being used. So we're gonna do that. Um, so there's things like that that still have to be done, but altogether yeah. it should be done within two months. Yeah, the good thing that the thing that we I think we did very well is. Um, we got our federal approval in September, and so okay. we were very, very actively working on our federal approval because we felt like that was the 
um, outside of the, the use approval, right? So basically the, fl the, pro the flow, which you've probably heard everybody say is find a space, get a landlord to say yes, go to the board, tell them, have the board say yes, you could put a brewery in there, then federal, then state. And so once we got through the first two phases, we felt like federal was the first thing that was within reach to make it a tangible thing mm -hmm. that we could then say, look, we got our federal approval. This is becoming a thing. And so we were really actively working with the TTB on everything, on getting through you know, our, our floor plans to our finance sources to everything. And so we got approval from them in September. And then we actively engaged with ABC on our state licensing. And by that, I mean, you know, we don't have a lot of people said to us, go get an attorney. That's the easiest way to get things done. And, and as much as, you know, we probably could have and we probably could have dedicated finances to it. There was also part of us that said we kind of want to do this ourselves. You know, it's just the two of us. We're a husband and wife duo trying to get through the brewery business. And we want to prove that we could do this. And so we actively engage with them, just calling email and when you're kind and you're nice and you're direct and you're thorough, you know, you don't get all those horror stories that everybody tells you about right. working with the ABC. And so, you know, we, you know, the ABC completed a preliminary review of our application. You know, they all ahead of doing their site visit. So we're at a point now when construction is done. You know, theoretically, all we have to do is kind of call them and say, hey, we're ready for you guys to do the site approval since you've gone through everything else. And so, you know, we heard all these horror stories about working with all the different agencies. If you're a reasonable person, you have your stuff in order and you could answer questions pretty directly. It's not as terrible as some people make it out yeah, to be. Yeah, I think that's the main thing is do your research and know what you need right. because a lot of... A lot of times the horror stories that Mike talks about is people go and they need to get 10 more things that they didn't know they needed and then they go back and then they need five more things they didn't know they needed and things you really wouldn't think that you need getting these approvals. Um, so I think just talking to other breweries and talking to people that know what you need is the most important thing that just be prepared <laughs> and things will go well so far. I mean, we've definitely, we've had to push a couple people when we were getting our federal approval but in the end it turned out all right so yeah, it's kind of unver unnerving to you know know how much you're how much capital you're putting out to build something knowing that you're not going to have any revenue coming in for 12 months yeah right? i mean we've been spending money since june of last year and and we're sort of prospectively saying all right march is when we'll get our first dollar in right, <laughs> right. not counting like some of the t-shirts and stuff that we've sold and so um, I think it's character building and I think it goes beyond than just starting a brewery. I think it's just starting a small business. You know, not every small business is this sort of 12 month wait for revenue to come in. But, um, you know, when we first started on this, we, we me more than Chelsea would get emotional about it. I get frustrated and I get you know pissed off and I say, well, why is this happening? And now, you know, we're sort of maybe a little bit more mature and now we're sort of like, you know, head down eye on the prize, keep moving. Mm -hmm. And sort of that's the mentality that we have right now. And that served us much better than the initial mentality of getting frustrated. Right, right. <laughs> well, and look, this will be good practice for when you open the second one. Yeah, you know, yeah. They, you know they plan for that two-year period. Yeah, right. expansion. Right. Exactly. Or, when, or next time when the next brewer comes to you for advice and you tell him two years, 
No. You know, yep. and he Which walks away going, right, he walks away going, nah, he's full of it. Yeah. Yeah. No way. yeah. All right. So you were like, a, you were really stealthy and went and got another beer. Yes. So what are, what are we drinking now? Yeah. So this is one of the beers I think we're most proud of. Um, this is our Imperial style. It clocks at about 9% when it's, you know, production level would be about 10%. Uh, a lot of people tell us, don't tell, tell us that it doesn't really drink like a 9%. <laughs> you no, know, it does uh, not. Pretty smooth style. Mm-hmm. Um, again, this goes back to sort of the approachable aspect of it. Um, um, uh, it, it, it's probably worthwhile to talk a little bit about beers and their naming style. Uh, so w- about three years ago, maybe three or four years ago, uh, we have twin girls. They're four and a half years old. Um, another girl on the way. Woohoo. Uh, <laughs> Congratulations. Thank you. Um, when You're going to be badly outnumbered. Oh, uh, yeah. I've accepted my fate. <laughs> yeah, but his Art- girls are going to be brewers, so yeah, it's right, all right. good. <laughs> I'll shoot one side, one side story. Um, I asked one of my daughters about four months ago what she wants to be, be when she grows up, and she said she wants to be an artist and a brewer like daddy. She there said a brewer like daddy. I almost swerved off the road. He called me immediately. Guess what she just said? A beer brewer. I think she said a beer brewer like daddy. So about three or four years ago, our daughters started saying really funny sayings. Probably three years ago because they they probably weren't talking before that. Uh, And so what we started doing just unknowingly, we started writing down all the funny things that they said because we said these would make great beer names. And so um, fast forward three years from now, the list is over 100 um, names long. And all of our beers are named after things that they've said. That's phenomenal. That's great. And so we felt like um, it felt we felt like it was sort of a neat way to present our brand. Um, the beer you're drinking right now is our Imperial Stout. It's sort of what how how all this was started. Um, one of our daughters, we got him a whole bunch of uh, two bikes for birthday. I think it was, and they were pink. And so one of our daughters looks at us and she goes, um, "I wish this bike was purple." And we say, well, what can we do about it? And she looks at us straight eyed, you know, super serious face. And she goes, maybe we could do magic. And we're like, that is a great beer name. (laughs) And so that was the first one that we wrote down. Maybe we could do magic. And we said, that's such a phenomenal, just cool beer name. And so this Imperial Status, maybe we could do magic. And it kind of fits because... You know, it's going to be a 9-10% Imperial Stout, but it drinks almost like a 6 or 7 Imperial Stout. No adjuncts outside of um, oats and um, flake barley. So there's no chocolate, there's no sugar, there's nothing else in it. Just straight up, you know, different levels of malt. Um, The other reason why I really like this uh, stout is because it's it's something I call a, a step stout or a step beer where there are certain different levels of the types of grains that I use. So there's Mm -hmm. two different base grains, there's two different crystal grains, there's two different dark gross grains, there's two different, you know, adjuncts, uh, all with different varied amounts in them. And I think that kind of creates this step of flavor, uh, probably the best way to describe it. So yeah, so that's our, maybe we could do magic and figure us out. Bradley Brew Project is opening any day now in the later part of May, 2018. Check out their website at bradleybrew.com to see exactly when. Since we've spoken, I've driven by their new location on Main Street in Bradley Beach, and it looks like it's going to be a great place to have a few beers. You can check out the blog at overbeers.beer. Please leave a rating for the podcast on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. It helps, and of course, I appreciate it. You can leave a comment at the blog or send me an email. I'd love to hear your thoughts and ideas for the show. The email address is cheers at santephoto.com. You can also follow along at Instagram at santephoto, S-A-N-T-E, photo. 
I'm going to be taking a short break from releasing shows. I'm going to be heading out to do some more interviews that I've already got into plans, and there's going to be some surprises next season. The show will be back in the middle of July with more great beer conversations. I hope you'll join me. I'm Freddie Clark, and I'm going to go have a beer, but I'll be back real soon with more conversations over beers.